0: Is our spouse predestined? Is it somebody whom is chosen for us? Or is it someone whom we choose on our own to marry? The Talmud tells us that 30 days before a child is born, God decides two things. Firstly, God decides who they will marry. 30 days before you're born, God decides who you will marry. The other thing is, God decides what property, what field, or what home you will buy. So, um, those are the things that God decides for you before you are born. In Psalms, it tells us: God sets people in their homes and brings out those, the. Um, those who are tied up um, with kosharot literally means chains. And our sages say that that means that God sets who you're going to live with, whether you like it or not. Some people like it, some people don't. In fact, commentaries translate the word kosharot as actually two words, bechi and shirim, crying and singing. Some people are happy and singing. Some people are crying or unhappy and they still end up living with that spouse. So um, sometimes you're happy, sometimes you're not, but it's all God decides who you marry. So marriage is all up to God, and from these, from the Talmud, from the verse in Psalms, it would appear that we don't have all that much say as to who we will marry. It's not really up to us. It appears to be up to God. The Talmud tells us, the ads, that the great sage Rava once heard someone praying to God, said, God, I want to marry that woman. Please help me marry that woman. So when Rava overheard this, he told the fellow, your prayer is a mistake. Because if she's destined for you, you will marry her regardless. And if she's not destined for you, you will not marry her regardless. The Talmud further points out that we find in the Torah itself. When Abraham wanted to marry his son Isaac, wanted his son Yitzhak, Isaac, to get married, he sent his servant Eliezer to go find a wife for his son. He wanted his son to marry a relative. He didn't like the Canaanites that they lived around, so he sent it back to Haram, which is a town that he came from in northern Syria, where his brother Nahor lived. And Eliezer went back there, and over there he met Nahor's granddaughter, Rifka. Rebecca. Long story, Eliezer didn't know how to find the right one, and he asked God for a sign that the girl that just very in brief you may recall this story. The girl he's gonna sit by the well, the first girl that comes, and he's gonna ask her to fill, give him water. And she offers not only to give him water, but his camels as well. That's the girl. That's the right one. And so he does so. He sits at the well, a girl comes, it happens to be Rifka, Rebecca, and he asks her. To give him a little give him a little water, and she offers not only to draw water for him, but also for all his camels, which is a lot of water. And she does so, and so he decides she's the right one, and indeed she happens to be Abraham's great niece, the granddaughter of Nachar. He comes to her father Bethuel and her brother Laban, and he asks them for permission to take Rebekah back to marry Yitzchak Isaac, and um, they say they answer. May Hashem yatah hadavar. The matter, this comes from God. It's not up to us. It's up to God. So the Talmud says this is true, really, for every single match. Not up to you. It's up to God. God chooses it. You don't really get much choice. We find the similar things as the Talmud when it comes to the prophet Samson, Shimshon, the prophet. Sorry, the judge Samson Shimshon, the judge Shimshon met a Philistine woman whom he wanted to, she had converted to Judaism, and he wanted to marry her. His parents were not happy with the marriage. However, the, the book of Shofs and the book of Judges tells us that his parents didn't know that Mei Hashem hadavar. the match was made by God. There was nothing they could do to stop it. Once God decides on a match, there's no way you can stop the match. It's going to go ahead. It's going to happen one way or another. And indeed, in Proverbs, it says, A wise wife comes from God. Whether you get someone, a spouse, who's wise or not, it's God's choice. It's not your choice, because God chooses who you will marry. What we see from all the above, from all these statements of the Talmud, um, and these uh, scriptural quotes, is that it's all up to God who you will marry. So, should we look and date to find the right one? Or maybe if it's just up to God, we should wait for the right one to come our way. Sit back and wait. Is it possible for someone to marry the wrong one? Or can you only marry the right one? And if marriage comes from God, why do some marriages not work out? Why do some people not seem to find the right one at all? They don't get married at all. Or they get married, doesn't work out, and they never get married again. So the Talmud tells us elsewhere that God in Sota that God chooses ma- our match for us based on what we deserve. God chooses your match, your partner in life, based on your actions, based on what you deserve, based on somebody who will fit you, based on how you've acted. And it is as difficult for God to make matches as it was for God to split the Red Sea. Greatest miracle ever was the splitting of the Red Sea. Making a match, finding the right person to fit you, to fit, finding two people that can, are compatible is as hard for God as splitting the seed. It's a miracle. Every time you find the right one, it's a great miracle. Very, very difficult thing to do. What this definitely implies is that we don't have someone that is predestined for us. Rather, God tries to fit, make matches. God is what we called in Yiddish the Shabchan. He is the one that tries to make matches. It's very, very difficult. It's a hard time doing it. You could say hard for God, but it's as difficult as splitting the sea. In fact, the Talmud tells us that there are certain dates you're not allowed to get married. You're not allowed to get married on the festivals, you're not allowed to get married on Tish Abba'av, the fast day of the ninth of Av. There are certain dates, over the years, we've added a lot of dates that Jewish tradition is that we don't get married during the Omer, during the three weeks. So there are certain dates that we don't get married. However, the Talmud says you can always get engaged, any day, Tish B'Av, festivals, any day you can get engaged. Why? You never once you know that someone is the right one for you, You never want to delay an engagement because you might lose them. If You delay the engagement, you might lose them. So that would imply that you got to grab the right one when you get them. You don't necessarily, it's not so easy to find the right one and you could lose them. They can maybe go elsewhere, disappear on you or um, find somebody else they like better. You can lose them unless you lock it in, unless you get engaged. So um, the Talmud further tells us that you can pray, pray to God to find the right one. So these statements appear to be contradictory. The earlier statements that we quoted, um, 40 days before—sorry, th- uh, 40 days before a person is born, God um, announces who you're going to marry. And then, on the other hand, God seems to have a hard time finding you a match. The two appear to be contradictory. So the Talmud already points out this ob- these obvious contradictions. Which is it? Do you have a predestined match that was created before you were born, or is it that, um, or is it that God creates matches for you? So the Talmud answers: simple, depends. For the first time round. First match is predestined. Second match follows your actions. First time round is predestined for you. Second time round, that's when God has a hard time making finding you the right one. Bart, you had a question? Did you want to ask something? Like yes, does that, is that uh, just relate to Jews, or is it uh, relating to everybody? The Talmud is speaking about Jews, but I believe that we're all the same when it comes to matches. So it would relate to everybody.
1: So God's uh, making
0: everybody's match. God's, well, God, we believe, has a hand in everything that happens. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but the question is, does God make our match before we're born? and we have someone predestined for us? Or does God help us find the right one later in life? Well, the non-Jews, of course, but you're saying non-Jews also. As well, yes. Okay. So Rabbi, Yes, if if the first match that we have, the first match. I'm going to ask you, before you ask the question, to hold on the first match, second match thing, because we're not done with that yet. So if you have a question on first match, second match, I'll get to it in a moment. Fair enough. I'll wait. Does anyone else have a question, or Lewis had a question? Or, no? Okay. Carol? No? Okay. Oh, Rabbi? Go ahead, Diane. What about intermarriage? How's that explained? Very good question. We're going to soon talk about matches from above, but um, let me answer it in short now. Um, there are certain matches that God says is forbidden. The Torah says it's forbidden. Clearly, God did not predestine a marriage um, that was forbidden. We, of course, have choice, and we're going to soon talk about how it balances the choice with God's actions. Um, mm-hmm. But God would not want us to do something that would He would tell us not to do. He definitely would not force mm-hmm. us to do something that He would mm-hmm. tell us not to do. Good. Okay. Thank you. So now the Talmud says, as we just said, that we have contradictory statements. On the one hand, God announces our match 40 days before we're born. Um, And on the other hand, God um, on the other hand, um, God is adjusting, finding our match, working hard to find someone that fits us, and we have to pray to God to find the right person. And so it depends on how said the first match is predestined, second match follows our actions. So now there's some debate among commentaries as to what exactly that means. Does that mean that our first match is predetermined? Sometimes, not someone that we want to live with, do we have to marry that predetermined person? So, Rib Shmuel Edels, known as the Maharsha, he was a 16th century scholar and one of the um, classic commentaries on the Talmud. Um, Rib Shmuel Edels, the Maharsha, explains that We have a predetermined spouse before we are born. Before everybody's born, God determines exactly who they're gonna marry. But as we grow up, not necessarily is that really the person we want. Is that someone we're really gonna be compatible with? And we don't necessarily have to marry them. Many people do. Many people marry the one whom They were predestined before birth to marry, but not everyone does. Often, we drift apart even before we married, even before we met. And then God tries to find a match for us that's more suitable for us, that fits with us. And so that second marriage isn't necessarily the second individual that we marry, but it rather... Is, but it rather is the second person God destined for us. There's a first person God destined for us, and then sometimes that first person doesn't, we evolve, they evolve, and we don't exactly evolve the same. And so therefore we say second marriage doesn't necessarily mean the second person we marry, but it rather means the second one destined for us, sometimes the first person we marry. The Arizal takes this further. The Arizal explains that every soul comes to this world with a purpose, with a mission. There are what we call general souls that came down on earth with a very distinct purpose, a unique mission that God gave them. They left this world with their mission unfulfilled. Most people do not fulfill their mission perfectly to the letter as God gave it to them. They have certain parts that remain unfulfilled. Some people, while here on earth, they not only did not fulfill their mission, but they caused further harm by doing bad, going against God's instructions to them. As a result, when they die, their soul comes back to God. God then spins off part of their soul into a new soul, creates a new soul whose role is now to complete their mission. Sometimes a soul can have spin-offs of multiple earlier souls. We call this process Gilgul. Best translated as rollover, sometimes mistranslated as reincarnation. The Arizal explained that in the early years of our people, in the early years of history, after Adam, in the earlier years, most people were original souls. But most of the, almost all of those original souls have already come down to earth. Most souls now, or just about every soul today, is a rollover soul. A soul that was rolled over from earlier souls that existed. Essentially children, what we can call of earlier souls. And therefore, Tharri explains that when the Talmud says the first match is predestined by God, that is for an original soul. But today, nobody is an original soul anymore. We're all rollover souls. So today, those souls all have, God matches them with other rollover souls. Very hard work, got to find two souls that match. But those are not the original predestined souls. And so says the Ari, we each have a match in a rollover soul. That is the zivuk sheni, the second marriage that the Talmud is referring to. Any rollover soul, meaning not the original soul's original predestined other half, but rather the rollover soul has a match. So therefore, most souls today, the matches that we have are not the predestined matches that were called out. We don't actually have God call out for us before we're born, who we're going to marry. Rather, we're a rollover soul, and so we're matched with another rollover soul that will fit with us. So we now know that according to this teaching of the Ari, indeed, while original souls, God predestined who they will marry. In other words, they were, had another half that they matched with perfectly. Today, matches are not as perfect. We're all complicated, and we all have to fit with another complicated soul. And so God works very hard, as difficult a miracle as splitting the seed to try to find our match. And today, all souls would then be what we call second marriages. All marriages are second marriages, in other words, from second-degree souls. Souls that are already not original souls. So God helps us find our match. But how much of a say do we have in our match? What role do we have in finding our own match? So earlier we mentioned that although God finds our matches for us, earlier we mentioned that we should pray to God to help us find the right one. We also mentioned that if you find the right one, you've got to commit straight away. You don't want to risk losing them. So clearly we have a certain choice level of choice where we can choose. To marry the right one. And in fact, like everything else in life, it is a mix of God's determination. God determines what will happen to us, but we also have choice. How the two are balanced out is a subject of its own. We did a class some time ago, and it's on our on the, on the my podcast, where you can listen to how free choice works with God's predetermination. And we believe while everything generally, our general life Is predetermined by God, we do have some say, we do have some sense of choice, um, especially when it comes to good and bad, to doing right and wrong, um, including choosing to marry the right person. So yes, God will send the right one our way. We have to make the right choices. God will also sometimes send the wrong ones our way. We've got to make sure not to fall for them. We have to make the right choices. Furthermore, God also expects us to do our part in general life even if God determines that we're supposed to get a certain blessing unless we make what we call a a vessel for that blessing we make a container to hold the blessing God will not give us the blessing so if God determines say we're supposed to make a certain amount of money if we don't do our part to invest or to work hard to make that money God won't give it to us now if God doesn't want us to have it no matter how hard we work or how much we invest we won't get it but if God does want us to have it, we have it. We still need to do our part. The same is also with a, with a match. If God wants us to marry a certain person, if we don't make the effort to find that person, to court that person and um, build a relationship with them, we won't end up being able to marry them. We won't have the vessel to be able to follow through. So therefore, like everything else in life, yes, Who we find is determined by someone who matches us by God. And God has most of the role, most of the say. But we still have to do our part, both in the effort it takes to find the right person, in the effort it takes to court and develop a relationship with the right person, and in the decision-making to actually marry that person. Those are all our decisions. And then we still continue to have the decision to keep up that relationship with that person. If we fail to do so, we can lose um, that relationship. Without God, though, so while we do have our part, without God, we would have a very, very hard time. Or it would be practically impossible to create matches without God. The Midrash tells us a fascinating story. It says A noble woman once asked, the sage Rabbi Yossi ben khalafta God created the world for six days. Since then, what's God been spending his time with? What's God been doing? So Rabbi Yossi ben khalafta answered, oh, since creation, God's been spending his time but making matches. As a matchmaker, that's what God does. She says, matchmaker? Anyone can make a match. What do you need God for it to make a match? So he told her, try it, it's not that easy. So this noble woman had many servants and maids, and so she went to her servants and maids, and she knew them well, she decided to pair them off. She said, you marry this person, you marry her, you marry him. And she paired off her, her servants and maids and told them who they should marry. So... Um, so um, she came back a few days later, and she sees that a lot of her servants and maids have bruises all over them. And she asks, what's going on? They say, oh, we are fighting. We are you, the person you matched me with. No good. Bad match. Doesn't fit with me. And so the showed she came back to raviosi Yossi, Bar-Halafi and she said, you're right. Making matches is not an easy feat. It's something that only God can do. So ultimately, finding the right one is not something we could do on our own. If you think about it, how many people there are out there, how many options there are, and it is still so difficult to find the right one. Years ago, all you had was your own village. How many suitable bachelors or bachelorettes were there in your village? Not too many. People had trouble. They thought if we had more options, we'd be able to do it would be able to find the match easier. Then, um, we moved to big cities, you had a lot more options, still wasn't enough. Now today, you have the whole internet at your disposal. You can just swipe away, day after day. You have endless options, still doesn't seem to work. There's still trouble, every once in a while, you hear or consistently you hear people commenting about the matchmaking crisis. People are having trouble finding their spouse. Um, in Yiddish we call it the Shidduch crisis. Every community is having a Shidduch crisis. People are having trouble finding the right one. They don't make them anymore. They just don't make boys today the way they used to. Very hard to find good boys today. Or the other way, they don't make girls today the way they used to. Very hard to find a good girl hear that all the time. A lot of people tell me, I hear that all the time. Believe it or not, those complaints go all the way back. Thousands of years, people have always had a hard time finding the right one. It's never, ever, ever been easy. It's extremely difficult for us. And without God's help, we would never succeed. But even with God's help, we need to do our part. You need God's help, God takes our hand and brings the right one to us. But then we have to do our part. We have to go out there and try to find them. And then when we find them, we have to try to build a re- court them and build a relationship with them. And even then, once we do get married, we need to then keep up that relationship. Otherwise, the marriage could fall apart. And indeed, some marriages don't work out. Now, sometimes marriages don't work out because the two were never met for each other. They were never really meant for each other. Sometimes God sends the wrong person your way just to test you. People make the mistake. They marry the wrong person. They marry someone someone who's not compatible to them. For one, as we mentioned earlier, um, marrying somebody that God forbids us to marry is definitely the wrong one. Even if everything else looks perfect, God said not to do it. How could that be the right one? after all, God's the one who makes matches, and in the Torah tells us that's not a good match, so it could not possibly be the right match if God said not, if God said not to do it, even when it does not go against the Torah, people often find matches that are not very compatible. In fact, um, psychologists will tell you uh, that there is a human tendency. For people to try to find or are attracted to opposites, people that are different to them. People that we're often attracted to somebody who has something that we don't have. If I'm quiet, I'm attracted to somebody, I'm an introvert, we're attracted to extroverts. Extroverts are attracted to introverts. Organized people are attracted to disorganized people. Disorganized people are attracted to organized people. We're often attracted to opposites. However, in reality, a match is somebody who is our other half, somebody who, who, who perfects us, somebody who's more similar to us. And so therefore, rather than, although we have a tendency to often look for someone who is different from us, the truth is that a match has to be somebody who is extremely similar to us. Say, well, if I'm an extrovert and they're an extrovert, well, be too loud together, well, you work, on, you work together on figuring out your challenges. Or if we're both introverts, we'll both be too quiet, you work on it together, right? If you're different, it's a lot harder to make it work. Not necessarily well enough, but it makes it definitely more difficult. So sometimes God sends us people whom we really don't match with. Um, often good-meaning, well-meaning friends and family pointed out to us, and uh, often we're blindsided and we don't see it. So and in those instances, usually the marriage doesn't work from the beginning. It's a miserable marriage from the very beginning. You usually see it straight away. Sometimes, though, there are two people that are very compatible. God matches us with someone who is extremely compatible to us. And then over time, they seem to be incompatible. Now, this can happen for two reasons. One reason is because people change. The Arizal explains that uh, that sometimes a person is born as one person, and over their lifetime, your soul can evolve to the point that over time you become a totally different person. And this is a concept in Kabbalah called Ibor. And what happens is... Um, You start as one individual with one role in life. And then with time, as whether you, because you did that role really well, or maybe because you didn't work well in that role, God gradually evolves your role and you change to become a somewhat different person. So you can be one person when you got married and then 20 years later, you're a totally different individual. Sometimes you can both change. If you change together, you're doing fine. If you change though differently, then you're gonna have a problem. And then your marriage isn't gonna work out. Now, usually you'll only change differently if you didn't develop in life together. If you didn't work on self-development together, if you work, if your lives took different paths, that's when you're gonna develop differently. So, it is true sometimes people just do develop. Sometimes, as I said, they weren't compatible from the start. Sometimes people develop differently. And then that leads to friction over time. But from what I've seen from my experience, most of the time, marriages don't work for a different reason. Because marriages require a lot of work and effort, it's a relationship. And ultimately, because today we're all zivuk sheni, we're all a second marriage. In other words, we're not our original predest. We're not an original soul, so we don't have an original perfect match. So souls are always going to be the match is always going to be a little bit rough. There's going to be some incompatibilities in every marriage, some things in which we're different, and ultimately we're still two different people. We have to build on the marriage, develop it. It's a constant. It's a constant work to build and develop a marriage. But what happens is people often get distracted with jobs, with social pressures, financial pressures, other parts of life that children, that in those distractions, take away from the effort of working on your marriage. And as a result, most of the time when people have marriage trouble, it's not because they're, they were not compatible to start with, not because they are no longer compatible, but simply because they've failed to develop the relationship. And in almost all of those situations, those relationships can still be repaired. If they begin, if they're both committed to make it work and committed to work on the relationship, often you can repair that relationship. It takes two, and they've got to, you've got to both commit to build the relationship, but most of the time you can. Can uh, rebuild that relationship successfully, and if you're both committed to it, if assuming that you are both compatible and still are more or less compatible, um, and you can evolve, if you're not entirely, you can evolve together, and uh, you most of the time you can build, refix that relationship. Most of the time, it can be fixed. Not always, um, and I've seen couples where, at least from my perspective, it didn't look salvageable. The marriage did not appear salvageable but um, most of the time it is and all it takes is working on building that relationship you can save the relationship and you can build it together and now when you truly are compatible and you simply are not putting in enough effort to build the relationship then what happens is if you do take the lazy route and choose to end the relationship you're never going to find somebody else who's more compatible So you'll never find happiness elsewhere. So it's important sometimes people say, well, this one's already too far gone, not worth the effort to try to fix it. Um, That's a big mistake. Because if you indeed are compatible, you're not going to be able to find the other. um, You're not going to be able to find a true compatible person later. And so what you have to do is work to fix that match. Now, how do you know? If you are, you're not, it's a judgment call. It's often a call you have to make yourself, but because we're always blindsided when it comes to our own relationships, it's often a call we have to turn to others, friends, um, spiritual advisors, others that can help direct us um, and help even therapists that can help tell us whether we still are compatible, we always were perhaps, and um, it's just a matter of effort or whether we truly were never compatible um, and we truly were never meant for each other. Which is less common, I should point out. Much, much less common. What about those who never seem to make to be able to get married? Some people struggle for years and years to find the right one. So it is possible. Some people drift from their original destined one. Um, They've drifted so far that perhaps they're not able to Um, find somebody who really matches them. Sometimes they do have a destined one, and just God, for reasons known to him, never brought them together. Sometimes it may be due to bad decisions the individual made, Though not always. Sometimes it can be the Talmud says that your destined spouse, the one that was most compatible to you, ended up marrying someone else, or even died. And so now you no longer have someone destined to you. Even so, God makes it that the vast, vast majority of people do find someone who matches them, who is compatible with them. There are, though, a handful that fail, a small percentage that fail. Sometimes it's because of their own choices, sometimes because of their refusal to make reasonable compromises or their refusal to work on parts of their character that other people find off-putting. But for many, it's not for any valid reason. And uh, we don't know why God chose that this person should never meet the one that God, should never meet somebody that is compatible to them. And not getting married is, in some senses, uh, we I do we do believe this, is a handicap in life. It is a certain handicap because, first, you cannot raise a family in the same manner. And secondly, you don't have a partner with whom to fulfill life's mission. In general, that result tells us that we best fulfill life's mission with partners, which is why Life was made to live in twos um, because we fulfill our mission best with a partner. That doesn't mean that you cannot fulfill your mission without a partner. It's just a handicap. God gives people all sorts of handicaps. But we can overcome those handicaps and still make a very, very uh, big impact, even if God never helped or we never were never successful in finding the right one. The good news is... Though that unlike other handicaps that are irreversible, people have certain handicaps in life that are irreversible. However, when it comes to marriage, even if you never found the right one, it's never too late. As long as you're still alive, you still can find the right one. It's never too late. It is always still possible. So don't give up. You might still find the right one. And I know people that have, people in our community who have, after many, many decades, Of not being able to find the right one they did or having found someone who was the wrong one and um, then moved on uh, many people have later many years later found uh, found the right one so we can succeed despite the handicap that God may have given us or we may have taken some actions that led to um, but we always can over it's really a handicap that we can still hope and work to overcome And uh, if we do, we should be able to, we should really be able to overcome it. So, the Zohar tells us that, let me just stop for any questions or comments before we go further. I have one. Um, From earlier on, um, in, in Jewish uh, life, matchmakers seem to have been a big part. So, yes. how do how they fit in with um, God's matchmaking? Excellent um, question. I'm glad you brought that up. So, in addition to our own efforts to find the right person, um, most of us, and I think anybody who's been married, who's married, can tell you this: most of us did not find the right person on our own. It's very rare to bump into the right person. Um, even using all these dating websites, it's extremely rare. Most people that find the right person, it's from other people. Today they call it networking. But it's from other people, um, mutual friends um, or other individuals that know both um, people um, who bring them together. And so, um, and that's because God finds different ways to bring people together. Um, rarely does God make you bump into each other. It does happen. I know many people who got married because they happened to bump into into each other somewhere but it's not common most people um, who do get married get married from the, with the help of others who brought them together and so other people definitely have a role in helping bring people together um, in Judaism we all in Ju- Jewish tradition we always had shadchanim or matchmakers who did it for a living and then would then take a fee today there's a big matchmaking business um, in general out there um, people that make matches, um, not sure how effective they all are, um, but really it takes somebody who understands personalities and understands what, what it takes for two personalities to get along. And, um, and really often it's just friends and family that can bring us together and introduce us to the right people. And then what about like the parents of, um, of, both, of both people, them getting involved with matching their children together? Very good question. Um, so, um, one of the earlier we mentioned um, the Talmud says the difference between the first marriage that's predestined and the second marriage that God kind of adjusts for you as necessary. Um, and we said we mentioned a couple explanations. One interesting interpretation is from Rabbanachim Iri, a 13th century French Jewish scholar, who says that young children, young people that get married, um, that marriage really comes from above, is predestined for them, um, because they're not really good at finding their own. Once a person's matured and older, then God has to try to help them find their marriage. It becomes a lot more complicated. Um, So I would say that younger people, um, and I don't know if there's an exact age where this changes, uh, have a hard time finding the right one and making the right decisions. They're not, just not mature enough. And younger, I mean, people in their high teens, low 20s um, have a much harder time, uh, maybe even high 20s, and they need help of older adults to help guide them. Um, As you get older, you get better at it, hopefully. Um, You get better at understanding yourself and other people. Um, And so I think it's very important for parents, or for that matter, family um, and friends, older friends, um, to take a very big role in uh, advising the couple in finding the right one or advising their children, parents who advise their children in finding the right one. And children should also take advice from their parents. It works both ways. Um, parents tend to know their, despite what teenagers think. Um, usually at a certain point in our adult young adulthood, we realize that our parents are smarter than we thought they were um, and tend to know us better than we thought they did. Um, and usually want best with some exceptions, usually want best for their children. So I think at least for younger people, parents have a very strong role in helping guide their children towards finding the right person. Thank you. So uh, the Zohar tells us that every soul is truly split in two. One half is male, one half is female. And when we join together, we become a complete soul and make it whole. And based on that, that re-explains, as we mentioned earlier, that our mission in life can generally best be accomplished in pairs, or we get sort of a half a mission, and we really can only truly fulfill our mission when we have a partner to fulfill our mission with. And so, as a now not finding the right one is a handicap, you can still overcome your handicap and fulfill your mission, even if you don't have a partner, but it's a lot easier and we fulfill our mission much better when we have a partner. And so um, the Zohar in fact tells us that all of creation was created male and female. And in fact, our role in creation is to join male and female. Everything in this world is split male and female, all of creation. And our role is to bring those two halves together. And so within our own lives, we are only a half a person. And when we get married, we bring that other half together. And it's not necessarily by finding the original other half of our soul, since as we said earlier, most of us, most of us today are offshoots of other souls. So we don't have an original half. But there is another half that complements us and that matches us. And by only by finding our other half are we able to really become whole. And so therefore, in a marriage, yes, In to answer our original question, yes, we are soulmates. Perhaps not predestined anymore. Um, we were earlier in our history. Um, but God evolves us to make sure that we have a soul that fits with us. God evolves two individuals through the process of ebor to make sure there is somebody that more or less matches us. And God helps to usually lead us to them. And only when we recognize that our spouse is our other half, complementing us, the other half of our soul, can we then truly live together and grow together. Uh, the Chidar of Yosef David Azulai, a great 18th century sage, quotes a midrash that says that originally, when God created Eve, Chava, the first woman. God created her independent of Adam. So Originally, God created Adam and Eve. They were two independent people. And they met each other, and they were bickering and fighting nonstop. So God gave up, and he started again. This time, he put Adam to sleep, and he split Adam in two, taking his side, half of him, and turning the other half into Eve. They were now one person that had been split into two people. Now he brought them together, Torah says, a person leaves their parents and cleaves or sticks to their spouse, they become a single person. Only when we're two halves of a single person do we then truly unite, can we truly be a true match. So when we get married to somebody who is not destined for us, who doesn't truly match with us, who doesn't truly fit with us, whether because it's someone who God decided is not for us or because it's somebody who just isn't compatible with us, we won't be able to live together happily. Only when we find somebody who both Torah tells us we're allowed to marry and somebody who is compatible with us, who's truly a second half, we will be able to live together happily. But our sages have said it's not only being able to live together, not only being compatible in our characters and being the Torah allowing us to marry, but a lot of it has to do with our perspective in our relationship. If we end our relationship as two separate people, there's me and there's you, and you need to give me things and I will give you things. It's a give and take contractual relationship. We're never gonna be happy because there's no marriage where Everybody gives equal where both sides give an equal amount. It's impossible. It's impossible for both sides to be happy. It's impossible for each of us to take care of each other's needs. After all, we're human. Rather, we're, so we enter a marriage as a contract, as a business relationship, we're partners. I give you, I do my part, you do your part, we're never gonna be happy. It's only if we truly believe that we're each half of each other. And we care for each other more than we care for ourselves. We recognize that our spouse is our other half. And we we care for them. We're concerned for them. Not because we want them to take care of us in return, but simply because we care for them then, and only then will we have a happy relationship. When something hurts our spouse, it hurts us too. When our spouse is missing something, we are missing. And we're not demanding of our spouse, but we're rather giving, we're in it just to give, because we recognize that it's two halves of one whole. When one hand injures the other hand, you don't injure the first hand back. When your spouse does something to you that you dislike, well of course you should tell them, so they don't do it again, mention it, um, but you don't get them back or get upset at them, it's like getting upset at your other hand getting upset at your other half. When your spouse doesn't take care of some of your needs, you don't get upset at your spouse because that's your other half. It's getting upset at yourself. When we recognize ourselves and your spouse has needs, but too much for me, I can't help you anymore. Um, you're not helping yourself. When you see your spouse as an extension of yourself as a true second half, then that's a relationship that will truly last. We are then truly two halves of one point. And That's really for us to truly have a, a, a marriage that will last. True soulmates is firstly somebody who truly is compatible with us to start with, but then we have to work and build that relationship, and it needs to be a relationship where we truly see each other as two halves of one whole. Those are, that's just a little, so we do believe in soulmates, not soulmates predestined from birth anymore, but we do believe that God finds somebody who is compatible to us. We have to do our part, though, to find that person and build a relationship, keep up the relationship with that individual. Well, sometimes it happens that we drift apart, or sometimes we even marry someone who's not compatible to us. Um, most of the time, we do find the right person, and we just need to work to build the relationship. We do that by recognizing that we truly two halves of um, that we truly two halves of one home. So thank you for joining us.